Well, what is up, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of this podcast. I'm Marlon Benjamin, and I'm coming to you right now from my car in my garage. Yeah, I know some of y'all are probably wondering what I'm doing in my car right now if I have a whole house. Let me tell you something right quick. If you ever start podcasting, one of the things you need is good audio quality or at least a room with good acoustics. And I'm not about to sit in a room with a lot of echo recording for you. <laughs> so my car just had better acoustics and it doesn't echo that much in here. So that's why I'm in here. But I'm very excited to start this and just come on sometimes and share with y'all what the Lord has been placing on my heart to tell you guys. So this week, I wanted to get into a topic and I want to come to you from a very familiar passage of scripture if you've been in church for like any amount of time. But I really don't think that the body of Christ has actually fully grasped the power of this scripture and what the scripture is telling us to do because it's a commandment. And in a lot of modern churches today, you don't see it being carried out. So I'm going to read to you today. My text is Mark 16, and I'm coming to you from verse 15 to 20. These are the words of Jesus. I'm reading from the KJV, good old KJV, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received unto heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So I entitled this, this podcast this week, I called it Show Your Work. A weird title, Marlon, what are you talking about, Show Your Work? So if I were to give this topic a title, I would entitle it Show Your Work. And the reason why I titled it that is, you, is because you remember back in school, when you're in like elementary school, middle school, and the teacher would give you a word problem, a math word problem, and they would put down like they would put down the question. He'd be like, "Many had three apples, and then he went to the apple orchard and picked three more. How many apples does Benny have now?" And then at the end of that problem, they'd put down, "Show your work." So that meant. That you couldn't just put down the answer to the problem. Like, okay, Benny had three apples, he got three more, so now he has six. No, you would have to show and demonstrate how you got to that answer. And how do you know that Benny has six apples now? So, if you put, you'd have to put down three plus three equals six. And that's how you get full marks on the equation, on the question. And the reason why I found a correlation between that and this topic that I'm going to talk about today is because I believe that's an issue in, let's say, the North American church, modern progressive church today. We follow the first part of the Great Commission. We're always like, let's go evangelize, let's go win souls, uh, let's go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures, yes. But then we forget the second part of that scripture, the second part of that great commandment where Jesus told us that these signs would follow them that believe. 
So the Great Commission is not just going out and preaching the gospel. The Great Commission is also demonstrating that gospel. You're showing people and giving people proof that the gospel that you preach is actually true. And there's a big reason why the demonstration of the gospel is so needed today. Because as we come closer to the coming of the Lord, as we get closer and closer to Jesus coming back, the world gets wickeder. Obviously, the world has to get more wicked to make way for the Antichrist and for the tribulation and for anti-prophecy to be fulfilled. And you can see, like, even through, like, lots of current events that are happening today, like, the devil is just at work trying to keep people, especially now in this last hour, trying to keep people from hearing the gospel any way he can and trying to get, trying to keep people from getting saved. So there is a very big deception around people where it seems like in some cases it's like, okay, well, I told my neighbor about Jesus and he said this, this, and that, and that. Well, I don't believe God exists. How do you know God exists? Well, because his word said this, said this, and this, and that, and that. But you need to give me proof. How does God exist? And that's where the demonstration of the gospel comes in. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians, it said that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who are lost, right? And it's only, I'm paraphrasing, only the light of the gospel that will open up their eyes. So when you come on to people who don't know the Lord, you have to remember you're coming to a blind person. And you can't come to them and come to them and be like, well, see this and this and that and that because they can't see. You got to open up their eyes first before they can see. And with many people, especially in this world today, with many people, they won't believe you when you come to them and tell them that Jesus is Lord. Because there's a lot of people that that's not, there's a lot of people that be like, okay, well, I heard Allah, that people said that Allah is Lord. Somebody else said that the Hindu gods are the real God. So who's the true God? And you know what? That's where the demonstration comes in. And that's why demonstration is so needed because demonstration sets us apart from other religions. It sets us apart from the rest because somebody else can say that I believe in this God and I believe in that God. But as Christians, we can say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he says he still heals. He still delivers. He, he still sets free. And guess what? I got proof. And you will see that person when they see when they see the gospel being demonstrated, you will see that person go from a staunch unbeliever. I'm not getting saved. And they just get broken right down when the gospel gets demonstrated to them because it's irrefutable proof that the, that the God I'm talking about actually exists and he's still alive today and it sets us apart. So that's one of the reasons why the demonstration of the gospel is so needed in this hour. And I'm focusing on this aspect today, but don't get me wrong. Both the preached word and the demonstration of the gospel are both necessary in the body of Christ today. You can't have one without the other. That's why Jesus commanded us to do both. So that's why the gospel needs to be demonstrated. 
But let me go ahead and give you all some examples of the demonstration of the gospel in the Bible and the impact it had on it. I'm going to give you all some examples from the Bible. I'm going to give you all some examples from modern times. And there's even some examples from my own life that the demonstration of the gospel has done. But in the Bible, one notable example that comes to me is Paul the Apostle. And in Romans 15, verse 18 to 19, he, he gives you a secret to how he got the Gentiles saved and how he brought them to God. And he says in verse 18, he says, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the powers of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyrica. So two things that stands out to me. He says that he brought the Gentiles to God in verse 18 by his message, the preached word, and by the way he worked among them, the demonstration. And then he says they were convinced by the miraculous signs and wonders. And he says in that way, by doing that, he fully presented the gospel. So three things that the demonstration of the demonstration of the gospel will do. It will bring people to God. And this is a missing link. It will bring people to God. It will convince people. And you will fully preach the gospel when that happens. So that's why that's why it's important to have both parts, because people may not be fully getting convinced. People may not be fully being brought to God. And you may not fully be preaching the gospel if you leave out the demonstration or you leave out the preached word of the gospel. This is why I'm stressing that stressing that point. And look at the life of Paul. Look, look at what he did. Look at what he accomplished because he didn't just preach the word, but he demonstrated it. Another example of this is in the early church, Acts 9.42, when Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. And what did what the Bible say? When he raised her from the dead, many believed on God be when the news started spreading. So after he raised her from the dead, people started telling other people and the news started spreading. And when the news spread, many people started believing on God. Also, when Philip, there's another example too in Acts 8, when Philip preached the gospel and he started demonstrating the gospel and started doing miracles. Then that's when people heeded and started listening to the gospel. And the early church is a model of how our churches should look today. You know, the book of Acts is an outline of how to shape the world for Christ. And I know we always talk about like in the churches today, we're always like, well, you know, we got to change the way we do things because times are changing. And yes, times are changing, so certain things do change. But let me tell you something, the gospel doesn't change. The formula for bringing people to Christ doesn't change. As much as it's said in modern day churches that we got to change the way we preach, we got to change the way we teach, nothing can beat miracles in the church. Nothing can beat the movement of the Spirit in the church. Nothing can beat the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church. And nothing will ever beat the gospel being preached in its fullness. Because it's worked throughout the Bible days. It's worked in more modern times. What makes you think that it's not going to work today? And this is why we see a breakdown of people not getting saved, healed, delivered, and set free in many churches and 
in North America nowadays because we think that we got to change up the gospel to get people saved. And instead of getting people saved, we're conforming to the ways of this world. So don't ever lose that. Don't ever think that you got to change the preaching of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel because times are changing and people are changing because one thing that will never change is that people will always heed the word and people will always come to Christ and believe on Christ when the gospel is preached and when it is demonstrated. And I really do believe that that aspect of the gospel is coming back to our churches today. You know, Joel prophesied and said in the last days that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh and his sons and daughters would prophesy Young men would see visions, old men would dream dreams. So just remember that, that before Jesus comes back, we're going to see signs and wonders again. We're going to see miracles again. We're going to see great amounts of people getting saved and healed and delivered. But you know what? We got to contend for it because God is willing to do it and God is ready to do it. But are we ready for it? That's the question that we got to ask ourselves. Are we ready? And are we willing to contend for it? You know, if you know me, I just got out of Bible college not too long ago. And at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I was supposed to graduate Bible college in May. And I ended up coming home in March. And I ended up staying here ever since. And it really gave me a lot of time to start thinking about where God is leading me when it comes time to start full-time ministry. And I always had an idea and always had like an idea of what God was calling me to do. But it really became more clear to me while I've been home these past couple months. And I'm going to get real personal for a second. When I was eight years old, I was in a church service in my church. And I felt called into the ministry when I was eight. And after that, a preacher was at my church. We were holding revival meetings and the preacher called me out and she said, God has put his healing power in your hands and you're going to begin to lay hands on people and you're going to begin to lay hands on the sick. And when you do, they will recover and people will be healed. And can I tell you something? Ever since that day, I've always felt that my ministry would not be my ministry unless the gospel was demonstrated. And I knew in my spirit that my ministry, when I launch out in my ministry, it would be marked by the demonstration of the gospel. Because as an evangelist, I had a big desire to see, you know, evangelists already have a great desire and give their lives to see people saved. But I had a burning desire to see people who you never would have thought get saved, get saved. And I remember in my prayer times praying, praying things that like you would think is just weird to pray. Like I would pray like, God, let that person be saved. I don't know that person, but let that person in that high place get saved. And I really believe that in this last day, like God is not coming back for a dead church. He's not coming back for a beat down, destroyed church. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. All right. He's coming back for a victorious church. And as crazy as it looks right now, as dark as it looks right now, and as defeated as it seems like the modern church looks, we ain't defeated. Let me tell you something. We're not defeated. And we're not going to be defeated. When people begin to rise up, 
and take their place and begin to realize what God has called us to do as believers, we can never be defeated. And I really do believe in this last day. And I know for myself personally, I'm ready to go after people that many people have written off. Like, why can't this power, we have such a great power through the Holy Spirit. And why can't that power hit people in high places? Why can't that power get people in Hollywood saved? See, we didn't we don't think like that. Why can't that power get people in government saved? And when those people that have influence get saved, they influence other people who influence other people. You understand where I'm coming from? That's why it's important for this gospel to be demonstrated. That's why it's important that you don't give up on what God has called you to do. Because there's a whole world out there that hasn't even, some a lot of people that haven't even heard the gospel yet that we still got to reach. And we don't got a lot of time left. But I believe we're going to reach them in this last hour and in this last great move of God. And I really believe that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to play a part in it. And I believe you are too. But I gave you a lot of examples of how the demonstration of the gospel worked back in Bible days. But let me tell you something. The gospel is still being demonstrated today. And the same gospel that was preached back then still works today. And I remember a story about this preacher. This is a well-documented story. You can actually look this up. But there's a preacher that goes by the name of John G. Lake. And he was in South Africa in the early 1900s. And this was during the time when the bubonic plague broke out in South Africa at that time. And if you know anything about that plague, that plague is so contagious that if you came into contact with the foam that would come off of a dead person's mouth, you could catch the virus and die from it. It was like serious. It wasn't anything to be played around with. So when people started dying, nobody wanted to go pick up the dead bodies to go properly bury them because everybody was so scared and they didn't want to catch this virus. (laughs) But John G. Lake, he was down there at the time and he said, okay, I'll go pick up these bodies. So he started picking up dead bodies and carrying them back and carrying them back to get them buried and all that stuff. And scientists that were down there at the time were like, were shocked because... (laughs) (laughs) here this man is going around during the heat of the bubonic plague just picking up all these dead bodies and putting them on ships to get them carried off to get buried or dealt with wherever they went and he's not sick he's not catching no sickness he didn't catch the plague or anything like that and the scientists were like how are you doing this and, and he told them, he said, he got a hold to the scripture that said, the law of life through Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. And he said, because I have the law of life through Christ Jesus, disease and sickness can attach itself to me. Nothing from the law of death and sin can attach itself to me. And when he said that, the scientists weren't convinced. They said, okay, well, we don't believe this. So he said, all right, let me show you something. Get your microscopes. Come here. Get your microscopes. And he said, when a de- when somebody dies, take that foam that comes off of their mouth when they die, and I want you to put it on my hand. And because I, I live in the law of life through Christ Jesus, no disease will be able to attach itself to me. 
and I won't catch the virus. But when it comes in contact with me, it will have to die. So they said, all right, bet, let's do it. <laughs> and they took the foam. And remember, I told you how even that foam had still live bacteria in it. And it could infect somebody with the plague. So he put his hand under the microscope and they did the experiment. And when they put that foam under him, as God is my witness, I'm telling you, when they put that foam on this man's hand, immediately when it touched his hand, it died. All live viruses in there died when it touched him. And they couldn't live. And the scientists were like, what the in the world just happened what and this story is actually very documented so this is not just like something that came up on some old church lady site no this is a well-documented story so when i tell you that's the demonstration of the gospel working in more modern times and let me tell you he told them he quoted that scripture to them and they were like uh, well so he's like okay you know what let me let me show it to you let me show my work to you and when he did that, they couldn't fight him. They couldn't say, well, you did this and that and that. They couldn't fight him. They had to just realize and bite, bite, eat their words and say that it was true. So when I tell you that this gospel being de is still being demonstrated today, that's the type of power you have. And that's the type of power that the gospel, the demonstrated gospel has. In, in more modern times, too, there's a preacher. I know everybody who went to Bible college with me knows about Lester Summerall. Back in the 50s, the 1950s, he went to Manila, Philippines. Oh, gee. He went to Manila, Philippines. And there was this girl by the name of Clarita Villanueva who was demon-possessed. And let me give you a little bit of background on this story. Back in Manila, there was this girl named Clarita Villanueva. And... She grew up in a broken family. She didn't know her father. And her mom was into witchcraft. If my memory serves me right. She was into witchcraft. And Clarita ended up on the streets prostituting herself by the time she was like 12. She was a very young girl walking the streets. And she was doing prostitution. And at the time, that was a crime in the Philippines. So if you got caught for being a prostitute, you would get it thrown straight into jail. And while she was doing that one day, somehow she got caught and she got prosecute, prosecuted and they're going to send her to jail. And she was in a court hearing one day and somehow between the time she actually got put in jail, she got possessed. I read online and it said somewhere that she got possessed during a court hearing. And when she got possessed, they put her in jail. And let me tell you something. She was possessed by two demons that would attack her. And she said she saw the demons and she said they looked like hairy men. I think she said one of them looked like hairy, looked like a very hairy man. And just randomly, she would start fighting. While she was in jail, she would just randomly start fighting. And they said bite marks would appear on her neck. This is another well-documented story. And I searched it up online. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually searched up this story online and you see pictures of this girl with bite marks on her neck that don't look like a human bit her. She wasn't near nobody. She wasn't fighting with anybody. And just these bite marks would appear on her neck. And every they said every time she would fight, 
she would every time she would come out of those fights, she would have the bite marks on her neck and she would have a clump of hair in her hand. And they said one specific time she had a clump of hair in her hand and they took the hair to test it. And when it got tested, it came back and it did not match with human hair. It wasn't human hair. And Lester Thumron caught wind of it. <laughs> and this man took on the task and said, I'm going to go cast the devil out of this girl. <laughs> and he went down to Manila, Philippines. And when she saw him, this is crazy. When she saw him, she started cursing at him. And started calling him all these names and just ugh, manifesting, going after that man, cursing him out. He wasn't swayed. That man said, I'm still going to cast the devil out of you. So Lester Summerall ended up casting the devil out of her. And it was a well-documented story. After she got the devil casted out of her, she never got attacked again. She got saved. And actually, a revival broke out in the Philippines. And a church actually got established out of that one event. Out of that one time that the gospel was demonstrated, a whole church got established. And a revival broke out that continued for a long time. And that happened back in the 50s. That's another example of the gospel getting demonstrated. Let me tell you something. That same power that he possessed, Lester Sumrall is not some great, great person. He's achieved great things. But let me tell you something. When it comes down to it, the same power that he possessed lives inside and lives inside of us. He did all those things by way of the Holy Spirit. So don't think that you can't do the works of Jesus or do the works and the miracles that some of these great men of God did because you don't have the platform that they have or because you're small and woe is me and all this stuff. The devil will always try to give you an excuse to not do what the Lord has called you to do. The devil gave me a million excuses. I tried to talk myself out the ministry. I knew I had the call of God on my life and I didn't really fully start pursuing that even though I felt the desire. I never fully started pursuing it until I was 16. Because I always talked myself out of it. Growing up, I had extreme social anxiety after a bout of events that happened in my life. In high school, I had serious social anxiety where I would be in conversation with people. And it almost felt like there was a disconnect between my brain and my mouth. And I would think stuff in my brain, but I couldn't speak it. So especially when I came into social situations with people, I couldn't talk. Like, I would always stumble and fumble over my words and... My brain would just shut off and I couldn't have conversations with people. I was extremely shy and it continued even up into college. And I was like, God, I can't go into the ministry like this. How are you going to call me to preach the gospel? And I can't even like you call me to be an evangelist. You call me to be around people for the rest of my life. And I have this desire. But I can't carry it out because I have social anxiety. And that went on for years and I just <laughs> avoided people in high school. I didn't really talk to a lot of people because, because of that. And I was just sick and tired of embarrassing myself in public situations. And on top of that, high school was, <laughs> was a riot. So I didn't really engage with a lot of people in high school. But then I ended up going to Bible college. And I actually thought when I would go to Bible college that it would just magically leave because I was around a lot of other people that are like-minded, a lot of other Christian kids, and it'll just go and it'll just leave me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I went to Bible college and my first semester was hell. <laughs> if any of you guys know me, you know my first semester was not cool at all because I struggled with that thing very heavy 
And I felt like there was no way I was going to get free from that social anxiety. But I remember the word of God where it said that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And by my second semester there, I just got real sick and tired of it. I said, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I can't deal with the social anxiety anymore. The word said the righteous are as bold as a lion. So I'm going to need that boldness. And I need the social anxiety to get out of my life. And on my second semester, when I got to my second semester, I just did not put up with it. And every day I started cursing that spirit of social anxiety. I said, you have to leave my life in the name of Jesus because I'm a Christian and this doesn't belong to me. Fear, the spirit of fear, God has not given that to me. So this doesn't belong to me. And I can tell you that into my second semester, and by the time the summer came, I did an internship, internship program that summer when I finished my first year. And can I tell you something? That thing completely broke off of me by that summer. And into my second year, like the struggles that I struggled with in my first year were gone. And can I tell you something? I did my last two semesters in Bible college. And to this day, I don't struggle with social anxiety anymore. I don't have problems in social social settings. I don't lock myself away anymore. I didn't do that in Bible college. I put myself out more. And it's all to the glory of God because God has a work for me to do. And I'm not about to let the devil hinder me from doing it. There's a work to be done in this earth. And I'm not about to let social anxiety and what people think about me and all this stuff bring me down and stop me from doing what God has called me to do. There's a work we have to do. And I thank God because God's word came true in my life. And I didn't just believe that the righteous were as bold as a lion. I'm thankful to God today that I actually live out and it's been shown in my life that the righteous are as bold as a lion through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said in Acts chapter four, when they prayed, when the early church prayed that their servant, that the servants of the Lord would be granted boldness. God granted them boldness to preach the gospel when they prayed. And I held on to that scripture. And even now, when I get into social situations with people, I don't get shy. I get bold. And I thank God for that because that's a demonstration of the gospel working in my life. And I have another example of the gospel working, the demonstration of the gospel working in my life. And this is an actual very personal story. So this story happened before I was born. When my mom had my oldest sister, had my sister, 1994, when she had my sister, Something happened when she was giving birth or when she was delivering her. And my mom's pelvis came out of place. And it never went back. And it never went back. So when she gave birth to my sister, she couldn't walk for I think it was like two weeks after after she gave birth. She was in extreme pain. She couldn't move. The doctors had to carry her everywhere. She was in the hospital for like an extra week after she gave birth. And she just, the pelvis would not go back into place. And she would not, like, she could not move. And she had to use a walker. So when she finally got released from the hospital, she had to beg the doctor. She said, I cannot stay in this hospital anymore. I need to take care of my kid. I can't be here. I can't sleep. I need to go home. And the doctor reluctantly released my mom. But they gave her a walker to use. And she used it at home. And one day, this is the funny part of the story. One day, it was two weeks later, she was at home one day. She said, 
I have my first child to take care of. And I just started a family and I got my family to take care of. I can't take care of my family using this walker and not being able to walk with a husband and a kid. And my mom, <laughs> she got sick and tired of it. And she said, God, you never died so that I can't use my legs. She's like, I, I don't receive this. Okay, God did not create me to live a life without my legs working and to live a life with my pelvis out of joint. And she said, I'm tired of this. So one day my mom, she said one day she told my dad, she said, I'm going to the store. My dad was like, okay. She said, but I'm not taking the walker with me. Can I tell you the look that came on my father's face when she said that? They tell me. The look that came on my father's face when she said that? You need to take your walker. What are you doing? You have to take it with you. She said, no, I'm not taking it. And when I go outside and come back from the store, God's going to heal me. So my mom left. <laughs> my dad didn't know what to say to her because her faith was so strong. He just said, okay, I'm going to leave her. Let her do what she wants. And my mom left. And she started walking. They lived in an apartment. They lived in an apartment at the time. And she was walking out. And she was using the walls to help her as she was going outside. But so she was using the walls of the building. But when she finally got outside, there's no wall. So, I mean, you need to release your faith right now if you're going to start walking because you're outside and you can't use any support. So she started limping her way to the grocery store. And then as she started limping, she started being able to walk better and her pelvis started to go back into, into place. Can I tell you, she went to the store and by the time she got back home from the store, she was walking perfectly normal. She came back inside the house walking perfect and opened back up the door. And my dad's jaw dropped to the floor. He was like, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? What happened to you? How are you walking again? She's like, God healed me. I told you it was going to happen. And can I tell you from that day till now, my mom has never had problems with walking, has not had problems with her pelvis ever since then. God healed her and she's perfectly fine now. And she walks perfectly normal. No pain or no nothing like that. And that, so that was a demonstration of the gospel in my life personally, in my family's life. Because you know what? It went from me believing that God is a healer and hearing it and hearing it preached to me to it being demonstrated in my life. And that gave me irrefutable proof that the God I talk about and the God I serve actually exists. So when somebody comes to me and is like, Tell me about your God. How you know your God exists? I have an answer for them. You know, the Bible told us to always be ready to give an answer to people that ask you about the faith. And let me tell you something. I can tell you that God is a healer. But I'm not just telling you that God is a healer. But I have lots and lots of proof from the lives of other people, from the lives of ministers, and from my life personally that the God I serve exists. Do you see why the demonstration of the gospel is so needed today? And do you see how, as the scripture said, how Paul said, how when, when the gospel is demonstrated and preached, he's fully preached it when that happens. The gospel is fully preached when that happens because it turns, it turns from you telling somebody that God exists to you showing them that God exists. And they can't deny at that point that the God you serve exists. And you see with a lot of people, when that happens, they're like, so what do you say about this God again? 
Um, so you're telling me this God could actually heal me? I have stage four cancer. You're telling me this God could actually heal me right now? Or my mom is sick in the hospital, and you're telling me she, this God can actually heal me? Yes, sir. He can do the same for you. And that's how the gospel gets spread. That's how it got spread in the early church. And that's how it should be getting spread now. If we want to see the same miracles and the same results that the early church saw, we got to take the same steps that they did. They preached that gospel and they demonstrated it. And they saw thousands added to the church daily. Like in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, (laughs) 3,000 were added to the church off of one demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't just a demonstration. The power of God was demonstrated, but then Peter got up and preached. And that's when people got saved. So I I just want to let it be known today that in this last hour, we're going back to not just preaching the gospel, but we're going back to demonstrating the gospel too, because that's what's needed to get people saved. And that's how we're going to fully preach the gospel and bring people to the same knowledge that we have. So I admonish you today when getting ready to close out this broadcast, I admonish you when you st- when in your prayer time, pray that God would be able to, especially if you're going into ministry, contend for those gifts, contend for the gifts of the spirit in your ministry. And if you're not going to the ministry, contend for the gifts of the spirit in your church, because every believer has a part to play in the great commission. We're all anointed to be witnesses. We're all anointed to preach the gospel some of us may some of us may be anointed so i admonish you today as i'm getting ready to close out this podcast i really admonish you today to contend for the demonstration of the gospel in your churches again because that's what we need in this hour and we all as believers are all anointed to be witnesses We all should have a heart for the unsaved people. It's not just the ministers that have a heart to go preach the gospel and have a heart for people that are that are in darkness. We should all have that heart and do our part to spread the gospel. And you may not be called into the ministry, but you know what you could do? Part of your job is to contend for that in your church. Don't take a passive approach to that. Don't just think that God, just because God wants it to be done, that it's just going to get done. Because if we don't want it to be done, we can block it. Because the Bible told us that God is willing that none should perish, but also come to uh, repentance. But does that mean that everybody's going to get saved? No. And if we sit down on our laurels and don't do our part to bring people into the kingdom, then we're going to have a lot more people going to hell than need be. So we have a part to play in this. Do your part and contend for that. Covet these gifts in your church. Covet the gifts of the spirit in your church. The working of miracles and and the gift of healing are gifts of the spirit. And the Bible told us to covet earnestly those gifts. So when you're praying, believe God that 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 the gospel won't just be preached in your churches, but it will be demonstrated so that we can fully preach the gospel and that many people can be brought into the kingdom. And I really believe that that's going to happen. I believe that I'm going to have a part to play in it. And you are too in Jesus name. So I hope that encouraged you today. (laughs) I hope 
that I at least gave you something to think about, opened up your eyes to this subject a little bit more because it's something that's very needed. So as time goes on, I hope to update the quality. I'm going to try to update the quality of my microphone and buy a better microphone and stuff like that. Because I've been like looking at videos nonstop about a podcast, what you need, what the equipment you need. So as time goes on, I'm going to update that stuff for a better listening experience because you guys took your time to listen to me today. So you guys do not deserve trash audio quality. Amen, saints. So (laughs) as time goes on, I'll do that. So I really thank y'all for joining me today. If you want to stay connected with me, if you're not already, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Those are the two social media sites I use the most. So those will be the best places to connect with me. And I got good news. <laughs> I'm fresh out of Bible college, but thank God, God is starting to open up doors in ministry for me. I'll be preaching my first conference in a couple weeks at this point, August 15th in my hometown, Toronto, Ontario. I'll be preaching my first conference, so expecting God to do great things with that. But I've been long enough on here, so I'll let y'all go now. Thank y'all for joining me, and I'll see you on the next episode of In Plain Sight. God bless y'all.